We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. It's officially the bye week. The Chicago Bears are three and ten. After a loss to the Green Bay Packers just last week, and it was another chance for the Bears to get a last-minute win. They fall short, but they're still number two in the NFL draft as of right now. That obviously changed after the bye this week. But we have a lot to talk to as the Bears get into their bye week, including the development of Justin Fields, what happened in that game, and what's left this season. Before we get into all that, though, I have to remind our readers about Manscaped the great people over at Manscaped have teamed up with us to give you 20% off of any purchase on your website using the code BEARREPORT. That's right. That's 20% off any purchase on their website using code BEARREPORT. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Great for Christmas right now. If you're looking for a gift for anyone, maybe yourself, Take advantage of this. You can join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BEARREPORT at manscaped.com. Let's get into the Bears talk here, and I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, as I said, man, it was kind of a weird game with Green Bay. The Bears pretty much dominated for three quarters. But in my eyes, and I think you'd agree with this because I saw you tweet about this um, a couple times, I think the Bears got way too conservative in that fourth quarter. Even second half, I'd say, even going up 19-10, it felt like they were playing and calling plays like they were up 14 or 20. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of how they've been all season, though. And that's that's kind of the thing where I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. And again, like, I don't honestly, like, I don't honestly believe that the coaching staff is, like, actively tanking. Now, I know a lot of people think, like, you know, the entire team's in on it. That's just not the way sports work. I mean, like they feel that a bad enough team where frankly, they don't really need any help losing games right now because they're doing that just well enough on their own. But dude, some of those play calls in the second half, some of the decisions in the second half, like I just, the bears are three and 10 right now. Like, I don't, 
I don't understand why, like, if there's any, like, around midfield, anything around midfield and a fourth and, you know, shorter than five or six yards, you should be going for it every single time. Wins at this point don't matter. Like, you need to figure out what you've got in your team, what you've got on the roster. You need to figure out who you are as a coach. Uh, There's just a lot of things right now where, again, who knows, maybe they're playing, you know, playing conservatively by design, but... I mean, I even tweeted it out last night again, watching that that Buccaneers and New Orleans game, man, where it's just like, I, I just, I hate conservative coaching. I hate it. And yes, it ended up working out for Todd Bowles, even though he punted with seven minutes left to go in the game down two scores. But it was because the other side got conservative and got weird and made some really dumb play calls at the wrong time. And that's kind of the thing where it's just like, I don't. I don't know, man. I'll just, I'll never understand conservative play calling. And I, I don't understand it with the bears right now. I don't understand it in the, in the context of the game where Justin Fields was dealing, man, like Justin Fields looked really damn good. Like you take out those two interceptions and even before like Justin Fields, that was probably the best passing game that he's had this year. And arguably the best passing game that he's had, uh, you know, through the first two years of his career. I mean, Justin Fields looked really good. And what do they do? They come out in the second half and they start getting conservative. And anytime they get conservative, they throw off his rhythm. And before you know it, all of a sudden, the Bears go from having a lead to being down, you know, at least one score. And then all of a sudden, they're in passing mode. And it's just, I don't know, man. Like, to me, it was a perfect storm for him to throw 30, 35 times. Um, you know, the offensive line was holding up well. He got hit twice. He didn't get sacked once. He got hit twice. Uh, he was looking really good. I mean, he had a few minor misfires, but I think overall, I mean, when you look at just his overall average, uh, you know, per or average yards per completion, I mean, he was over 10, man. Like he was throwing the ball really well, but again, they shelled up and they were like that one drive, man, that one drive. Uh, I think it was in the third quarter where they were, it was first and goal from the nine yard line. And then the Tevin Jenkins penalty happened, even though that was a run too. the Tevin Jenkins penalty happens is the first and goal from the 19 yard line. And your first two play calls out of that are run plays. Like what in the hell is going on? You finally, like I can understand it. If you had Trevor Simeon. Okay. But you had Justin Fields back there at quarterback. Who's been a magician all year. And you decide to run the ball twice on first and second down from first and goal from the 19 yard line. Like there are just so many different areas where it's almost like Luke Getze is calling plays off of a script the entire game. And regardless of what the situation is, he's just going to call what he's going to call. And that's the kind of stuff where, again, like I've been overall, I've been impressed with what this coaching staff has done. But those are the kind of things where I look at it and I say, you know, I don't know, man. Like, those are the things that give me pause going into next year because let's just say the Bears are a lot better off. Let's just say they are in a lot, you know, you know, they've been in closer games. Let's say they win some of those closer games. Coaching could be the difference between them contending for a playoff spot next year and finishing with six, seven, maybe eight wins and missing out on the playoffs. And that's where I'm starting to get a little concerned is the in-game coaching is just not really adding up to me. I think that was the perfect example of it was this week. And it, it's odd. Like you said, dude, I don't think they're really going out there and, and trying to tank on purpose the coaches or anything like that. It just that doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't happen in the NFL in my eyes. But they were just calling plays like they were protecting, you know, a, a three-score lead. And realistically, it was 16-10. And like you said, the penalty set them back. They run, run, and then they don't even really have a play into the end zone if you look at that play. Um, and then they set off with a field goal. Okay, it's 19-10. There's still a lot of time left in that game. 
And it just kind of felt like they got just way too conservative for what was happening. You know, you talked about this was probably Justin Fields' best game outside of those interceptions. And, and I'll get to the interceptions, but everything we've wanted to see Justin Fields do over the past couple of weeks in the season, he did. His best throws were from the pocket. He stayed in the pocket and made some really, really good throws. Like, if you watch the one that EQ St. Brown, St. Brown dusts Jair Alexander um, at the line of scrimmage and beats him. But then Alexander catches up to him. Fields puts it in the perfect spot. He doesn't throw it short. He doesn't overthrow it. He puts it in the perfect spot where EQ can get it. Same with Nikhil Harry. That was kind of one where Fields had to roll out. But he found Harry, hit him deep, and it's a big play. I, I thought, even on the drive um, where Chase Claypool fumbled and, and got hurt, his best throws right there were from the pocket. And it was just, it was impressive to see. Now, the interceptions, um, I, I think the first one, that's a timing throw. That's a, that's a timing route. Fields called it a dig route. Um, and, and St. Brown just, you know, you have to be there. You have to come out your break better. I, I think running that route, he'd even say like, yeah, that wasn't the best route I, c- I could have ran. And Alexander is a really good corner. He's going to read that. And that's going to be picked off if your receiver doesn't run a, a clean route. Your receiver doesn't even have to run a perfect route. Just a clean route and it, it's fine. But, you know, it, it happens. The second one I think is on fields. It's double coverage. It's kind of across the sideline throw. It's, it's not a high percentage throw that you're going to um, have there. You know, maybe take the check down. That's where I'd want to see him improve. And one more thing I want to talk about with fields and this, and I know this is – a lot of controversy, and I understand, you know, beat reporters have different opinions on this. The fans seem to be on one side. I totally, totally agree with that these games really don't matter in terms of the wins and losses aside from your draft position. I do think there's a little, little, little bit of value in winning some of these games, um, and, and it doesn't alarm me just yet because if Justin Fields is doing this next year where he's supposed to have better talent, I'd be concerned. I just, like, when I look at the 10, 10 drives they've had this year in eight games where they've had the chance to come down and take the lead and they haven't been able to do it, they're like 0 for 10 on those drives. Not all that's on Justin Fields because I do think Justin Fields has thrown, you know, the ball of Darnell Mooney was right there. You got to catch that in the end zone. Um, the Amir Smith-Marset fumble, that can't happen. David Montgomery fumble, that can't happen. You know, a couple drops here. Um, a, a bad play where Cole commits wide open and he runs into um, um, the, the, the defender. Things are going to happen. i just like to see one or two of those. And, and I don't think that has any correlation in learning how to win. It would be nice as a fan, someone who covers a team, if they could get one or two of those. But I, I'm totally fine with where they're at right now. I do think they're not helping Justin Fields as much as they can with the talent they surround him. And, and we've just seen that. We're, we're starting to see that. He's not throwing, or he's not, yeah, he's not throwing to a lot of guys that are, are wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos, and, you know, some cases wide receiver threes. You have to surround talent. If he's doing that, when you're surround, when he has a lot of the talent, I think that'd be a problem. I don't think that's going to happen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I don't either. I, th- I think that there are certain situations where Fields has to be better. And I think, obviously, his growth as a passer is going to be something to definitely watch for over these next four weeks. But it just it, it comes down to, again, man, like, you know, everybody it's one of those things where everybody wants to put the the blame for each loss on one single player, one single play, one single happening, really. And really what it comes down to for me is the fact that and I, I, we've, we've seen it a lot these last few weeks. And, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's kind of in the spot where I'm honestly more enthralled and you know interested in watching some of these bottom teams play just to see I mean for example like the Rams and the Broncos both lost their games when they had leads in the final minute of the game right and it's like and and I think the thing that I'm noticing and we've seen it with the Bears all year too is that bad teams find ways to lose games and it's not any one person's fault it's not any one play that makes a decision for the most part it just is what it is and I think that we saw that once again right where it started off again I mean we talked about it where the Bears were up 16 to 10 had a chance to really I don't know if I'd say put the game away um, because it was too early at that point but they had a chance to go up two solid scores and they settle for a field goal and again the same exact thing going back down the field a few drives later when they were in a you know a, a a third and short situation, and once again they go conservative and they end up kicking the field goal and Cairo Santos misses it. So it's like that's the kind of stuff that happens there. And then again, I mean, we've seen it all year where you know you get in that final drive of the game, the offensive line doesn't hold up. Uh, you know, Justin Fields has been wishy washy at times, but I think more than anything, it's like look at EQ St. Brown, man. There's two different times. When he hasn't made a play late in games, whether it was the dig route that he, I mean, I'm sorry, man, that was a terrible, terrible route. Like, I don't, I I mean, you can watch that route. It's, It's so lazy. It's ridiculously lazy. And that's the problem with EQ, man, is like, he makes these plays and you have moments where you're like, okay, he's a, he's a really good blocker. He's an okay route runner. You know, he seems to, you know, make most of the catches. But then he has these moments in games where it was like the the one it was a few weeks back. I can, I'm drawing like I can remember the throw, but I'm drawing a blank on what game it was where uh, Fields had him. I think it was on a fourth and ten, and I mean he made he scrambled out, made a perfect throw to was EQ. That, was that the, the game. was that the Lions game? It might have been the Lions. You was know, it you the know Lions or Dolphins? I think it was the Lions game. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know either way, but he had he had EQ St. Brown right there. I made a perfect throw to him and the ball goes right through his hands. And then again, it's like with this lazy, lazy route, if you watch it, it's like, I don't know, man, I, I won't lie. Like it really bothers me that uh, Jari Alexander you know, ran his mouth after the game. That dude got burned twice by two mediocre receivers. I and mean, he got burned by EQ St. Brown. And he got burned by uh, just absolutely owned by Nikhil Harry. 
And then he has the the audacity to to talk a big game after you know making that interception, basically saying, "Well, I knew he was slow, and I knew exactly what that route was going to be." And it's like I don't know, man. Like I, I watch these games, and again, I'm not saying that Justin Fields doesn't share some of the blame for some of these losses down the stretch. Like, is there more that he could have done? Probably, and you know, again, not really in this game in particular, but just in some of these games. But it's like. But you look at everything around him, and it's like if it's not one thing failing him, it's another. If it's not the play calling failing him, it's the offensive line. If it's not the offensive line, it's the receivers. You know, like there's always something that, again, it comes back to, like you just pointed out, a lack of talent around him. And it's like the offensive line was good all day. The play calling was extremely questionable in the second half. Um, And then obviously there were a few plays that weren't made. And let's be honest. I mean, that last interception he threw in garbage time, he forced the ball. It is what it is. It, you know, it, whatever it is, what it is. I, again, that, that's kind of where like, yes, he does share some of the blames. That was a bad throw. That's the throw that he should have made. But with that being said, when you look at the entirety of the game and the fact that he once again had a crazy 55 yard run for a touchdown, I mean, that, that thing came out of nowhere. You look at how good he was in the pocket. I mean, there were multiple throws in this game in this, this past game against the Packers, where if this would have been earlier in the season, like some of those plays where he stepped up into the pocket and actually delivered a nice pass, he'd have taken off running. He'd have taken off running, probably got four or five yards, taken a big hit. It wouldn't have been anything right home about. But the fact is, is he's finally, we're finally starting to see development from him as a passer. We're starting to see development from him. We know he's smart. We, I mean, this dude is extremely smart. We've known this for a while, but we're finally starting to see the mental progression of his game uh, you know, start to happen. And it's unfortunate because when you look at the box score, you're going to see, you know, 250 some odd yards, uh, 80% completion percentage, no touchdowns and two interceptions in the rushing touchdown. But in, in all reality, he played a really good game as a quarterback, not just as a runner, but as an overall quarterback. And I don't know, man, I said it, you know, I, I said it on Twitter after the game and I still feel this way. Like I've seen more than enough from Justin Fields to know that he is the guy moving forward. Now I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be a top three or even a top five quarterback. Uh, but I do think that he's shown enough that he's going to be a good quarterback. And I think that the ceiling is still so high because of the things that he needs to work on. And they're, I wouldn't say they're easy things, but they're things that can absolutely develop where, I mean, would you be shocked if he makes that year three jump that we've seen Josh Allen, uh, Jalen Hurts and, and Tua make? I honestly wouldn't. I almost expect it at this point. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm with you too. I, I think it's going to happen. And I really like, you know, what I've seen from Justin Fields, especially this week. Like this is what we've wanted to see from him. Yeah, he had the two interceptions. I get it. Like I I feel like it's Packers fans making way more of a big deal about the two interceptions than anyone else. Like even the national media is not even making it the, the big deal about the interceptions. And they've been some of the biggest, you know, ones who've criticized Justin Fields. It's like you look on Twitter, it's like Packers fans, oh, the, the tide was turning, huh? And he throws it. No one said no one realistically, I mean, I'm sure there are a couple of Bears fans who are saying this. No one who follows the team and covers team realistically thought if the Bears beat the Packers, it was the passing of the torch. It's not realistic. Like the Bears have not done well against the Packers. Even if they beat them, it would have been a one-one split. There's no passing the torch. We don't know what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. Do I think the Bears are probably set up in the long term, better than Green Bay? Of course I do. Um, but but yeah, the interceptions were just, it was just mind-boggling going on Twitter and just seeing like how many Packers fans tried to spin that win into something special. And man, nothing against them, but like honestly, right now, 
what situation would you want to be in this year? Would you want to be a team that has three wins and picking number two right now? Or would you want to be a team that has five wins, still needs to win every game essentially the rest of the year and have other teams lose because of tiebreakers to get into the playoffs? And even if you do, you're going to be facing probably a, a Minnesota team or you know someone like Dallas or, or whoever else eventually where you're going to lose. Like The Packers are going to be picking between – 13 and 17, essentially, in that scenario. So, I don't know. It, it's just, like you said, man, I think he's done enough. I think he's progressed. Um, a lot of people have been calling from the throw out of the pocket. And he finally did that. And then there's just something else for people to complain about, I guess. But, yeah, overall, I mean, I think it was a pretty good day for Justin Fields. Um, however, man, you know, look at the defense. And there's a couple ways we can kind of break this down. I look at this defensive performance and I think Alan Williams did a hell of a job. He was dealt a pretty shitty hand this week with all the injuries. They're down four starters in that secondary and they trotted out Josh Blackwell, Jalen Jones, Elijah Hicks, DHC. Those are guys where it's one veteran and three rookies, two of them undrafted um, out there as a starters. And they play really damn well. Um, say what you want about the end, you know, I don't think Aaron Rodgers beat them through the air at all. I just think the team lost containment on Christian uh, Watson. And then, you know, Agent Dillon had a nice run there at the end, but Alan Williams had a good game plan. The problem is they're not getting any pressure whatsoever. They didn't hit Aaron Rodgers once. They didn't sack him once. And to me, that's the difference in your game right there. You get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't have to come down to Justin Fields going down and winning you a game. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think, yeah, and that that was actually, I, I think you tweeted something out. It may have been from the Bear Report account. Um, basically, you know, kind of talking about what you just did with Alan Williams and the defense and, and how well, I think a lot of people tend to forget, man, that this defense, yes, this defense has been terrible, but I mean, what, what did people expect? Like, you look at the defensive line right now, they don't have, in my opinion, they don't have one long-term starter on that defensive line. They've got a bunch of depth pieces, and, you know, half of the guys that are on this team right now are probably never going to play substantial snaps again in the NFL unless they go to another rebuilding team after this year. Like, that's just where they're at. Then you look at their linebacking core, Nicholas Morrow's okay. Jack Sanborn is proving to be a quality – he's never going to be the best player in the defense. He's probably never going to be an all-pro. But he can be a quality player, you know. And But, he, again, he's an undrafted rookie making his fifth start. And then you look at the secondary, and they were missing four out of their five week one starters. Jalen Johnson was the only guy out on the field that was a week one starter for them, right? Obviously, Eddie Jackson was gone. Jaquan Brisker was gone. Uh, Kyler Gordon was gone. And, uh, you know, uh, the same thing with Kendall Vildor. And frankly, man, they play really damn well. And that's kind of the thing, like you just said, like if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, not much is going to happen. And this is still a younger secondary looking, you know, they're they're still learning. They're still learning a brand new offense. They're still growing in the league. Um, and really what this comes down to, again, man, is that the front seven as a whole has just not been nowhere near good enough. And it's not going to be until they can get into the offseason and hopefully they can, you know, as of right now, I mean, they're sitting at the number two overall pick. We'll see how that all plays out. But they're probably going to be, barring something really crazy like them winning two or more games, there's a very good chance that even if they went into the game, they're still going to be picking top five, which means there's going to be a top end defender. Um, and if they picked 
top three, I mean, there's a pretty good chance that Will Anderson is, you know, going to be there sitting at number three for them, you know? So it's, it's one of those situations where like it, it, it just is what it is, right? We, we know what they're working with. Um, I think from a coaching standpoint, I think if you're comparing the two coordinators, obviously I think that Luke Getze is, is the superior coordinator, but I think that even with as crazy as it sounds like Luke Getze still has more to work with. Luke Getze has an ascending quarterback, you know, like he's able to scheme around certain things defensively. There's only so much you can do, but with that being said, I mean, for the most part, especially for the first three quarters of the game, the Bears defense played pretty dang well, especially considering they didn't have a single hit on Aaron Rodgers the entire game. They had a bunch of undrafted rookies back in the secondary or late round picks back in the secondary, and they looked pretty good. So, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things, like I said before, I just I, I can't muster up enough energy to be remotely upset with anything that Allen Williams has done so far, because let's just be honest, man, like this defense has very, very little talent on it. Like there are, there are not very many long-term starters on this defense and it's just going to take some time to really figure out where things are at. But with that being said, I think that, you know, seeing how these younger corners and these younger defensive backs played, I think should inspire some confidence, not so much that, you know, any of these guys can become long-term plus starters. But the fact is, is that even if some of these guys develop into fringe starters and depth pieces, that's still something that you need down the line. You're going to need cheap control outside of going out and drafting, you know, guys and and, and signing, you know, bigger name free agents. Like you're still going to need this kind of thing. So, I mean, again, like I understand people are upset because they lost to the Packers and the fact that they did have the lead for a while. I get all that. I mean, it, Trust me, it wasn't a great feeling game by any means. But I do think that there was a decent amount of positives, um, especially for it being week 13 of the NFL regular season where you've won three games. And quite frankly, I mean, it's just things just kind of seem to be spiraling in a hurry, which is expected for a rebuilding team. But I think this is about the best of what you can expect moving forward with this team, especially, you know, with with, uh, with some of the quality opponents that they play. I mean, their next four games, they have the hardest strength of schedule left uh, in the NFL, and they're very, very, very likely going to end up finishing with the hardest strength of schedule uh, in the league overall. So, I mean, it's just kind of something to keep in mind at this point that it's just it is what it is. And you, you frankly, you're just looking for pieces of development and bright spots moving forward. And I think we got some of that on Sunday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That's the thing, man. It's evaluation season right now. Coming out this by, you know, like you said, they have some tough, tough games. I mean, they have, what, three other four right now are against playoff teams and 
The Lions are kind of creeping up that wild card. The Lions have looked pretty damn good. They've already beaten you once this season. This evaluation season, man, it's it's you're going to look at some of these guys and say, hey, can I build my roster with some of these guys? And like you pointed out, man, I don't think on the defensive line they really have anyone. I, I think Travis Gibson will be here as a depth piece. Um, I think you can keep, you know, Justin Jones, the guy that can be here as a veteran presence, but they need a dominating three technique on that line. They need a game record. They need a, a, a Kenny Clark. They need, you know, someone that, could just get in the backfield and wreck games. Um, maybe in the secondary, you might have a piece. I, I thought Josh Blackwell and Jalen Jones played really well. Um, I know Jones got flagged for that long pass interference. It, it just didn't make sense to me. I, I We got to stop rewarding quarterbacks for underthrows. I know you have to get your head around. But to me, the biggest thing on that point, I don't like to complain about the refs, the judge on the other side of the field threw the damn flag. There was a guy standing right there watching them. Did not throw the flag. So to me, that's just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Elijah Hicks is a guy you can scout here. You know, you're going to roll with Jaquan Brisker. You're probably going to roll with Eddie Jackson next year. But can Elijah Hicks be that third safety that can come in and give you some valuable reps when needed? It's uh, it, it's interesting to see what what's going to happen. And then, you know, kind of flipping over the offense, my biggest one and one of my biggest takeaways, Alex Leatherwood. He had 10 snaps. He was really damn good, though, in those 10 snaps. And you watch that play. I think it was the EQ long um, catch. He stonewalls the edge rusher there. And that was one of his very first snaps of the game. So, yeah, he he played well. And for a guy who had mono, I mean, he flat out told us after the game, I was in that media scrum, he lost 25 pounds. It took him a while to get that 25 pounds back. Not only that, the fatigue absolutely just burns you. Like you're not your say this your um your normal self after mono. I had mono. Granted, I'm not an athlete. It took me a while to recover from that. And as an athlete, he it took him a little bit to recover. So he's a guy I'm definitely watching. I think the offensive line is gonna be really interesting next year. I, I think you're gonna go in. You're gonna have Tevin Jenkins. You're gonna have probably Alex Leatherwood's probably gonna be battling for a spot, and then Braxton Jones. And outside of that, I don't know what they're gonna do with their line. Um, because they need some pieces. And right now they have just, they have veterans and Sam Mustafer out there um, playing. So this is all about evaluations. These final four games, how do these guys stack up against premier talent? You're going to see a really good offense and a really good defense against Buffalo. You're going to see the same thing against um, the Philadelphia Eagles. You're going to see a Lions team that's very talented. And you're going to see a Vikings team who, who is number two seed right now in the NFC with a lot of talent. So for me, it's just about valuations. Who's going to be here next next year? Yeah, and I agree. I, I, and I think it's an interesting conversation when you when you talk about this offensive line right now because Braxton Jones has definitely been <clears throat> up and down. I think as the season has progressed, he's become more consistent. Um, and then obviously we'll have to see Alex Leatherwood only played the ten snaps. I feel I feel like in some ways, and I know obviously having mono and everything else is definitely not a, you know not something that helped him at all. But I feel like in some ways the Bears have kind of dropped the ball a little bit on getting him out on the field. I understand Riley Reef is is a veteran, and you know he brings a, a steady you know a, a steadying presence, I guess you could say. But frankly, man, Riley Reef really hasn't been good enough this year. Kind of like Jay, like not like Jason Peters last year, where Jason Peters was pretty dang good most of the year, right? Like. It, it, it wasn't it's, it hasn't been the same thing Riley Reef hasn't been bad per se but he hasn't been good enough to where you're going to want to sit there and say yeah we don't want to replace 
Uh, you know, we, we don't want to replace him halfway through the year. But, uh, you know, it, it's just it, it's going to be interesting to see I, if it were me personally, like, you know what you have in Larry Borum, you know that Riley Reef isn't going to be here next year. So if it were me, I'd be starting uh, Alex Leatherwood at right tackle these next four games, because unfortunately, I don't think that you're going to be able to see enough over these next four games to be able to say, OK, this is our starting right tackle moving into next season. But I do think if you see enough from him, the plan can be, OK, we're going to go out and either sign or draft a right tackle or a left tackle. And then we're going to let Braxton Jones and Alex Leatherwood and I guess maybe Larry Borum, although we've seen Borum two seasons in a row now. And he just seems like a swing tackle to me, uh, you know, and, and maybe you get maybe you get enough from Alex Leatherwood over these next four games where you can confidently say, like, this guy can compete for a starting job next year. Right. And who knows, maybe. Maybe they're just throwing him where they feel like they can use him for the time being. And then when next year rolls around, maybe they'll slide him inside. I just, I don't know that there's a, I don't know that there's a path over these next four games. I think it's too small an evaluation of a sample size to be able to say, okay, these next four games, he plays great. We're going to slot him in at a starting spot next year. But I do think that he can do enough to where maybe you can look at Braxton Jones and him and say, okay, we're going to have a competition at one of the two tackle spots with these guys and figure it out. And I know one guy's playing right and one guy's playing left right now, but you know, a full off season worth of work, um, you know, especially with a guy like Leatherwood who's played all over the place, you know, maybe that's something that they think about. And I think that that's, those are the kind of key developments that you want, because even if let's just say Leatherwood doesn't end up panning out, like even if he doesn't end up panning out as a starter, it's still quality and cheap depth to have over the next few years. I mean, when was the last time the Bears really had quality depth on the offensive line, dude? It's been been a long time. It's been a long time since that that's even been a conversation. And again, it's not all about when you're talking about development, you're talking about trying to figure out the roster. It's not all about figuring out who the starters are and everybody else is worthless. Like that's just not the case because some guys take longer to develop. And having cheap, controllable depth is also something that's big, you know, is a big key for teams. I mean, we saw that with the Bears back in 2018, where they still had Bryce Callahan on rookie, you know, a rookie deal. They still had Adrian Amos on a rookie deal. They even had Nick Wachowski on a rookie deal that was depth for them. Like, the depth, you know, Jonathan Bullard at one point was the same way. Uh, Bilal Nichols was the same way at one point. Like, there, there are multiple names of guys that weren't true starters that were depth that could, you know, could moonline to starters when they needed to that really helped them through that type of season. And I think that that's kind of what you're looking for as well as maybe some of these, you know, some of these guys locking them in the starters, like let's say Jack Sanborn, for example. But yeah, I think that. Over these next four games, I mean, that's really all you can look for, right? I mean, I mean, coming out of the bye, I mean, they've got, man, that's gonna be tough, man. They got, they got the Eagles, and then they got the Bills. I mean, you got two teams with a combined four losses between them. Um, it's just, man, it's a, that's a tough ask. But we'll just have to see what happens. Um, I, I think again, the biggest thing moving into the season and what has you know shown out so far this season is the fact that Justin Fields is a guy, man. I, I think that if anything, you can take away from that. The fact that they've got, you know, 100 million plus in space and they're going to have high draft picks in each round. I think you get a feel pretty good moving in the offseason, you know, really, regardless what goes on in these next four games. But I think the mindset of anything else that happens in these next four games is just kind of a cherry on top. I'm with you, man. And it's going to be a fun offseason to cover. There's a lot of storylines, a lot of a lot of uh, um, interesting things we're going to have to pay attention to. Um, moving forward 
yeah, it's kind of just nice having the bye week, but I'm kind of ready to get into the, the full off season mode. So, um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at and where can everyone read your work? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL uh, on Twitter and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. Awesome. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. As always, please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Check out Manscaped um, code Bear Report for 20% off your purchase. Great for holiday gifts right now. Um, yeah, until next time, everyone, please stay safe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.